1: Happy Holidays, listening to the Mike Abadir Show here on Christmas Eve. Gino Bocola here, and the co-host and the main man, Mike Abadir. Mike, Merry Christmas, and uh, this year, a very Merry Christmas. Uh, I'm sure it's been uh, a tough year for a lot of people out there listening, and for those of you listening to us, hey, just because uh, it's Christmas, that doesn't mean the sports action stops. we got a lot to talk about
2: absolutely man Merry Christmas to you Gino Merry Christmas to all our listeners to everybody at Voice America Aaron and Andrew and everybody else that helps us out yeah man it's um you know I was looking at the it's become a a Christmas tradition to have these NBA games on now and uh to me in my household that kind of replaced not replaced side by side with college football there's usually a game or two on Christmas day typically it's been like Hawaii or a bowl game involving kind of like a well, it used to be the old whack teams and stuff, but the NBA came in and uh, it got really popular, right? And so we got a what, like a five-header or whatever those are called, yeah, Penta, five games what, whatever it's called.
1: But it looks like the the, the Rockets are going to have a tough time fielding a team. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> we, as we saw in some of the other sports, not everybody wants to play by the rules right away. There are some people who think they are a little bit bigger than everyone else around. And the Rockets had to have their first game of the season postponed because of all sorts of different COVID tracing. Uh, James Harden was out at the strip club having a good time. We saw some sort of a uh, a strip club excursion in the NFL also this past weekend from a quarterback, Mike. You know, everybody should... Follow
2: the rules. If anything else, even if you're look, man, even if no matter what side of the fence you're on in terms of the politics or the science or whether you feel immune from it or can't get it or whatever, these guys have to be thinking about, hey, look, there are rules that are in place and I have to abide by them because if I don't, it could really, really mess up my business operations and that right? I mean, if you just look at it from a business standpoint your teammates and everything of that nature it's like it, like last night's game right and i wasn't gonna watch it anyways right but i, and I don't even know who was at home or who was on the road but what about the road team we saw this they came in they prepared and then they go home i mean that's to me it's just ridiculous so
1: Any if anything else just in.
2: respect your teammates respect the league respect the shield Etc. But you, you, and it's that's
1: especially so much so for a quarterback. You oh, brought up that, the quarterback. Any industry that you're in, when you're working, you got to abide by the rules of the of the job, right? Just because sure. you, you don't agree with them, doesn't mean you personally agree with everything. But when you're there. Getting paid, you know, you do what you have to do. You go home and complain about it afterwards. It's just
2: Yeah, crazy. and look, if the start time is 7.30, and I'm not an early guy, right, but my team is there waiting on me to start, you know, whatever, the sales floor or something like that, and I, I'm showing up at 9 so they can't start. It's affecting their business. It's affecting others. It's not a good situation. But when you're the quarterback of the team, from, the, from a football ops side, you're looking at the quarterback as we have our CEO on the business side, this is our CEO on the football field. We put him out there as the face of the team. And they're held to a different standard than, you know, defensive ends and quarterbacks and linebackers and wide receivers. And Because I, you are the guy that is expected to lead, to be the leader. Number one characteristic they look for in quarterbacks is leadership. It's right up there with a strong arm. <laughs> if you've think- got a cannon for an arm and you're not a leader
1: – you're probably not going to be my quarterback. Hey, it's, it's something that we've seen too, um, which is unfortunate with Haskins multiple times now. Remember when he wasn't there to run out the clock at the end of the game, not long ago Did he pull he out a cell had, phone or something also? Yeah, he was taking selfies And he had his equipment off He didn't have his helmet ready to go back in the game They had to put somebody else to come back in the game And run the clock out He's just had some issues with his leadership Right there, so this wasn't even You know, a, a first time Incident, first no. time issue For him So I you mean, had look, it takes a lot, Gino, you know, to strip then you've gotten Your benched. captaincy Yeah, and, and then you've gotten benched this year and your team's been better without you. So you're getting this opportunity now where it's sort of like there's there's nothing they can do. They don't really have any other options. You sort of have, have to play. And you, you're kind of like looking around at your team, giving them the middle finger. All these guys that have been busting their butt all year.
2: It's not it, like he was going in lighting the world on fire either. I mean, at no, this point, no, and Coach just, Ron Rivera would rather have a 37-year-old who almost died – who's really banged up, who's probably at best going to be 75 or 80% of what yeah. he used to be, and they'd rather have him than the 22-year-old who was all everything at Ohio State but came in with a lot of leadership questions. And I think a lot of times when you're talking about the quarterback position, at least, if there were leadership questions coming into the NFL, they're probably going to remain throughout the NFL. It usually just doesn't change. If you don't get it and you're already at a big-time I mean these programs like Ohio State and Alabama and USC they're kind of like NFL teams in a way because they're usually the biggest thing in their city anyways. So he, he you know he's been groomed for this for a long time. So very disappointing on uh, on the Washington front there if I'm them I probably look to move on from quarterbacks. Interestingly a a kind of a tangent in terms of moving on from from quarterback to see? Josh Rosen signed with the 49ers.
1: Yeah, that's actually, I think, uh, for someone who has just struggled to to find it, that's not a bad spot for him to end up. Shanahan is an excellent coach. If if you've got anything, he will find a way to to get it out of you, to put you in a spot to be successful. And it's not like there's quarterbacks that are dominating over there even when they were good last year it wasn't a lot of the time because of jimmy g in many cases it was be in spite of jimmy g and their exactly right backup and second and third string situation this year hasn't been great i think this is a it's a great opportunity for them to just sort of take a free swing at someone and and see what you got you know this kid has had ability he's had an arm he was just in bad situations uh put him here with with someone like like Shanahan, I think this is just a a really good swing and and see what you get. Yeah,
2: I mean, I have a couple of quick thoughts about that. The first one is I'm hearing the Niners are moving off of Jimmy G.
1: Yeah.
2: So let's just assume for a moment that that's true. You have a guy here who was the 10th overall pick, and I'm not talking like 2012 or 2008 or something. He, this guy was the 10th overall pick in the first round in 2018. 2018. I mean that just like the draft before, almost. You know, what I mean just like literally. We that's three drafts ago, but in football years, it's two years and change. So and he, he's he young. And because remember when he a, came into the league? You know, do you remember we talked about him on the show? And he we was had the most you, ready. He crazy. was the most NFL
1: ready exactly at the moment. And the the thing, thing that hurt him was. He just was in a couple of different really bad situations. And then he was in a situation where he was drafted. And all of a sudden, a year later, all the people that drafted him were gone.
2: Well, I think so it's one of those things, Gino, where like, okay, he's, he's got a 3-13 and overall record. The, the Arizona team he played, minus Larry Fitzgerald, there were it was terrible. This was before they got the the weapons like Kenyon Drake and some of those guys that made it really exciting last year. This is the year before that. So, And, and Christian Kirk and so on and so forth. Obviously, this year, they've, they've added Hopkins. So that team was, was really raw. Now, there's two ways to look at it, which is, well, we gave them nothing, so we couldn't expect him to do anything. The other way to look at it is you look at maybe rookie seasons for Troy Aikman or Dan Marino or some of those guys who, even though their win-loss record wasn't very good, well, Marino's was. Marino went to the playoffs. But like Aikman, he was one in 15 in his very first year. But you saw more than just glimpses of how good he was. Same thing with Peyton Manning with the Colts. They didn't have a great record, but you could, or Andrew Luck, or whomever. They all had really good, a good foundation, and you could see that they elevated everybody around them. And I don't think Rosen ever elevated anybody, right? I was even surprised to hear that he was three and 13, to be honest with you. I was like, well, which games did he win? Went back and looked. Two of those wins were against the 49ers. Right, and those were that's interesting. Three yeah. really good defense, Forty ers This is 2018. They were still not very good. So yeah, it's kind of interesting that uh, the in a look back, you could see that he beat the Niners twice. So obviously they saw something in him. They're paying him what prorates out to be eighty thousand dollars for week sixteen, eighty thousand for week seventeen. They're probably going to move off of Jimmy G. We already saw what we need to see from Mullins. Probably didn't like what we saw. Bethard, we've had him for a few years. We know what we're getting with him. We need to make a decision right now as to whether we're using our pick on a quarterback and starting over on this thing. Or how about this? How about trading Jimmy G to New England Patriots?
1: Right? They. That, that's definitely out there. No doubt about it. That's a, better, that's a better quarterback situation than they're in right now. Even though Jimmy G is not great, Cam has been terrible. And just to give you an idea, like, This week, the 49ers play against Arizona. And last week, when the 49ers played against Dallas, they had more first downs, 28 to 15. They ran more total plays, 81 to 58. They led the time of possession 34 minutes plus to 25 minutes. But they had four turnovers, so they end up losing forty-one to thirty-three. It's one of those games where you're like looking at all the team stats, and you're watching it like this doesn't make a lot of sense. But Dallas scored touchdowns of twenty-two, twenty-four, and forty-six yards.
2: Yeah, I mean, I watched uh, I watched uh, bits and pieces of that game. They're I mean, just putting great like the position because
1: lo- they kept turning the ball over.
2: Yeah, I mean, look like the Fort Nineers are moving the ball. You know, and the Dallas Cowboys—they don't have a great defense, but they were gifted a lot of really easy turnovers to convert to. And like you mentioned, you know, in terms of where those turnovers happen, it didn't make it very difficult for the Cowboys to be able to capitalize on those and get some really good momentum going. And you could see the momentum building up during the game, you know, by uh, by maybe 10 minutes into the second quarter, you could see, you know how it is, man. When you get that momentum, the sacks, they start dancing a little bit harder there's a little bit more swag going on. Every hard tackle, every all the teammates are coming over to celebrate. You can kind of feel it. You feel like we've got this game. And uh, there was never a moment where I felt that the 49ers were going to win, although they moved the ball up and down pretty well. you know. So once again, you mentioned the turnovers. Yeah, I think there's a fumble, but Mullen's interceptions were really inexcusable. Brutal. They were terrible. So,
1: they haven't been home uh, in their home stadium since November the 5th. <laughs> they still a- no excuse. Oh no, no! But that—that's what ends up happening is when, you, like you said, a couple things go wrong, and it and and everybody—you don't—you don't say give up. Nobody gives up, but the the difference—an an effort, right? When you're literally on the road now for six weeks in a row, and you haven't been back to your home stadium, even when you're like they're they're going to be playing as the home team against Arizona this weekend in Arizona yeah, Stadium. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's that that is funny, and you know, I mean, look, dude. The In terms of effort, let's just talk about that for a quick second. In terms of effort, the, the 49ers, I think most people thought, you know, stick a fork in them. They're done right after week, uh, what was it, week, well, week two, we said, uh, you know, with Kittle, or actually week one with Kittle, week three with Jimmy G, week four with, week three also with Jimmy, uh, with uh, with uh, Bosa, week four with, you know, you could keep going on and on and on. Five of their running backs had to be shut down at one point during the year. I think you would have, everybody probably said, stick a fork in those guys, no shot for the playoffs. To their credit and to the coaching staff's credit, they hung it there, man. I mean, they were still mathematically alive until last week. And uh, they probably had a better record going into last week's game than most would have thought, right? Especially after everything that they've dealt with. So I think if you're the 49ers, you're kind of looking at it and saying, you know what? We're probably a lot closer to last year than we are to the Jets.
1: Yep. And they're key position as a the quarterback. They're unlucky. We see this happen too in the Super Bowl hangover teams a lot of the time, right? You, you, It happens in baseball all the time. And I, I think it's going to happen a little bit this year in basketball with because of the quick turnaround with both the Lakers and the Heat. It's, you know, you get there you're there in the finals in the championship and then you lose and all you want to do is just kind of get back there again and have your chance to win and and you sort of like take some of the processy stuff for granted that you really embraced the year before because everything was going well and you just want to kind of hit fast forward and get to the point where you're there again and for the 49ers if you just looked at their Situation last year and compared to this Year how well everything went for Them how last year They seemed to catch everybody on great weeks And just kick the crap out of teams and Everybody had their worst week against them Which was sort of uh, a lot Of it because of them but a lot of a little bit of luck Too and it just went the opposite This year I remember you and I tried to beat them a lot Last year I think every week. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. It's, it's yeah, absolutely right,
2: right. And it's interesting that you. I, I don't want to leave that point for a quick second that you bring up about the uh, hangover in sports, especially as it relates to this year with basketball. Because I wanted to get your thoughts on that. So, do you think because the season seems like just ended, and in sport, the sports world sense of things, it did just end, and they're just starting back up again, but because they didn't play a full schedule last year. They're not as beat up as you would necessarily if you went through a long playoff run, April and May and June and so on and so forth. So now you've played, what, 82 plus another, or whatever it is, 20 more games or whatever, 100 plus games going into this season. It's not quite like that. Maybe because they have fresher bodies, even though they played more recently, they had less wear and tear. What What do you think that means for the Lakers? And you know, typically we don't do a long preview show, but I guess in a way, I'm kind of asking you, what's your kind of outlook on the Lakers and a quick hit on the NBA? Obviously, Jersey show or the Jersey, New Jersey—it's not even New Jersey anymore. Brooklyn looked really good the other day, yeah. but it's one game. But uh, maybe a quick hit before we go to the commercial break.
1: I think they'll uh, the the Lakers will have a little bit less of a sense of urgency at the beginning of the year this year. But one one thing that I really like what they did is one way to sort of Try to keep from Your team getting a little stale and stagnant Is to have new players come in And the Lakers have that They brought in Montrezl Harrell They brought in Dennis Schroeder They brought in Wes Matthews They brought in Marc Gasol So they have a lot of pieces so, uh, that they brought in it, I don't think it's going to be the same team That's just a, a little bit bored I also don't think you're really going to get that sort of attitude From You know, to, with LeBron And with AD um Tr- going to play a lot of the t- the time. But I just don't know if early on we're going to see them play a lot of back to backs. I mean, LeBron didn't play the last eight minutes of the game the other night because his ankle was tweaked a little bit. They play ended up playing eleven deep uh, on their rotation, so I think they're going to be working some things out early on. But I don't like. I don't think the the Heat. Uh, watching them it's the some of the quotes coming out of their locker room were s- just the, some of the things we were talking about lack of energy even just after game 1 didn't really love the energy out there sometimes it's hard to put up that that high level of energy when you've just come out of playing like the most meaningful games and now you're back starting all over from square 1 interesting point
2: i've got a one quick NBA long shot that I want to give out from a seasonal perspective. Let's take a commercial break. I'll come back and tell you who I like as a dark horse candidate, at least to just get into the playoffs. I'm not talking about winning the NBA title. Long shots don't win the NBA title, right? So you got to like take a, a step forward. And I think a team that's been traditionally not so good may be a lot better this year. Stay with us. We'll be back with more NBA and definitely a lot of NFL.
0: racers and rental cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry join hosts cameron foray and don o'neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day it's about the business as well as the fun we've got the scoop the guests the discussion and the wtf moments all you need to do is bring your ears Racers and rental cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at the show.com Now, back to this week's program.
1: I'm back here on the Mike Abadir Show. We are getting through NFL and we're starting to dive into The week 16 slate, we were actually talking a a little bit of NBA basketball and Mike gave us a a little bit of a tease before we went in. So you were talking a a couple teams and someone who you think might be a a little bit better than normal this year.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, when you're talking about somebody that has championship rings as a player and then goes on to be in a coaching staff for the Golden State Warriors and learn from some of the best in the game. And then you, you you go off and you give it a trial run and it doesn't really work out. And then you end up in Sacramento where the expectations are low. You obviously know who I'm talking about as the head coach over there. And I think that the, the Sacramento Kings are going to sneak into the playoffs. Maybe it's not even a sneak in. When you, when you look at the guys that they put together, I think, Last year, they showed glimpses. Now, you follow the NBA a lot more than I do. But the rare times that the Kings were on my TV screen, I saw glimpses. I'm like, if this team could kind of put it together, they might be pretty good. I like Buddy Heald a lot. I like uh, Whiteside, their center. The Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, good presence over there. I think this team can can kind of sneak in a little bit unexpectedly. Maybe I'm wrong and and maybe some odds makers give them a,
1: a, a chance. but I think this team could be improved. What say you? What's nice is that they're it feels like they actually have a plan and a couple guys that they're gonna they're trying to build around and move forward. and they've so they've they've circled Fox as one of those guys. I like him a lot. I actually think he's a really good leader, and he can be one of the better players on your team. They I think for them, the real key is, is Bagley. They need him to continue to be a a top tier player where they drafted him. And they're there. I believe in a couple of their players. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them better than some think and to be competitive towards the bottom of the West. I, i I don't think that would be shocking. I think a lot of people are expecting the West to be really, really tough. And it, it's going to be solid, but towards the bottom, it, it's it's going to be competitive. And the Kings actually had a really good start to the, the year the other day. I think, it's like anything, your young guys, some are going to improve, some are not. And if Heald and Fox continue their trajectory and their improved trajectory... They they're good. Like I like both of them. I remember, you know, it was, I remember thinking I wanted uh, before the Lakers drafted Lonzo, I actually liked Fox better. And he's, to be honest, he actually been a better player so far than, than Lonzo, who was a much earlier draft pick than him. So um, good start for them. They're not, they beat a, they beat a Denver team and had a really fun opener.
2: Yeah. And Bagley killed it on the boards too. I mean, Mm -hmm. this team, uh, it looks like they could rebound. They can, they can, they can, they they got some scores, Um, you know, Heald, Barnes, and Fox were all terrific uh, the other night, or I guess it was last night, against Denver, and uh, obviously what I'm saying isn't based on the Denver game. I would have said the same thing had we talked to NBA last week, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Sacramento Kings could be a sneaky team. Like I said uh, before the commercial break, though, Gino, when you pick a long shot in NBA, it, what are you really saying? That they could maybe be a seventh seed or an eighth seed, maybe win a playoff round. You're not talking about as a potential championship Candidate, But whereas when you're talking MLB, when you're talking NFL, anything is possible right before the year. If you say Miami Dolphins can win it, they could in basketball. If you say the Sacramento can
1: win it, they, they can't. You, yeah, you're probably you probably feel a little bit better in it with like from last year to this year about. Maybe something weird happening just because the year is different, right? Just because we don't know uh, the way the season is, quick turnaround, things like that. Maybe you have a young team like Sacramento who didn't have to play a ton of extra games. They're fresh, and maybe they just play a little bit better than some of these teams that are warned. I don't know. It's just a different variable, different season. So uh, I agree with you. Basketball is generally very chalky. uh, But maybe last year and this year are two of the years where there wasn't necessarily a Warriors team you know, uh, that, that we had, or some real huge dynasty type team. Um, the Lakers are still going to be the team to beat this year, but they've got a bunch of new faces and let's say something like, you know, LeBron got hurt. They would, you know, be in tough, they'd be in a, in a, in a tough situation right away. So, um, I I agree with you in that NBA is chalky, but maybe in these this year and last year, there's a little more chance for some sort of, uh, some variance.
2: Now we, we need to have, uh, side Yusuf come on with us and talk yeah. to us about the progression of, uh, Luca. I was actually pretty, uh, pretty amazed to see that he's taken in boatloads of money for MVP consideration. He's a favorite.
1: He's a betting yeah. favorite. And I think the, a lot of people that saw him in the playoffs and how well he did, but what, sort of helps his case early in the year, is that Porzingis is going to be out for a little while, which is even going to force him to carry more of a load. And, and you know, you'd imagine him and his some of his counting numbers even more with the ball in his hand, more a little more scoring, a little higher on the assist uh, totals there, too. So one of those situations where maybe it doesn't help them win games a lot early, but if they can win a, a couple more than they should and he's throwing up these absurd numbers, you know, remember, these awards are all narrative driven, right? It's all about voting and it's all about the stories out there that the media and the writers want to push. And. Giannis has won the MVP a couple times now he, he's gonna have to do something insane to win it again this year they're just gonna be looking for a new person it, they're probably bored with voting for LeBron they're bored with voting for Giannis because he's been for a few years it's got to be someone like Luka who's the new face someone like Durant who is coming back from a major injury if he's able to stay healthy people would love voting for him because that would fit a, a narrative so yeah, a lot of times you know, if, if it, it would have been Michael Jordan every year, right? That was always the argument. Like It would have been LeBron every year. It, when, when is he really not the MVP? But it's just people like voting for sort of uh, the new hot storyline, the new hot player coming in. And right now, that's no doubt. It's Luka.
2: It's funny how the basketball writers are are so different than the baseball writers. I mean, a baseball writer would get slaughtered if they didn't pick the guy with, you know, the obvious best stats, You know what I mean? If there's, like, three that are tied, then you start looking at some of the more nuanced situations or whatever. But whether you're first-place team or last-place team or or whatnot, it's really hard for them to deviate from the best player, statistically speaking. Yeah, I mean, Trout's a great example. He's always going to be in the top three voting.
1: You know, if somebody's got a little bit better
2: storyline, then then the other person's going to take it. When when Trout's done, he'd probably have, like, seven to ten MVPs.
1: And if he wasn't a top-four seed... In the NBA, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't win. I think Westbrook was a fifth seed when he was averaging a triple double. And and a lot of people were still upset about that. It's very yeah, I remember. It's very strange. Like if you are not you can have break all the records in the world, but if you're not on a team that's a top four seed team, you're just in the NBA, you're just not going to. And I think a lot of that has to do with right personnel, just in in the simplest sense. There's a roster of the like, 12 players, you're one of the five players on the team, and you're playing 40 minutes a game. So if you're on the court for 40 minutes of a 48-minute game, you know, or close to that, you should be very, very dominant. And you would think your team would be a little bit better, whereas, you know, in football, you could have the best quarterback offensive, you know, team stats but if your defense is crappy it it doesn't matter and same thing for a baseball team right you could have the greatest pitcher in the world or someone who hits you know uh, wins the triple crown and all the uh, offensive stats but if you know they have a terrible pitching staff they're not going to win so I guess I guess it's a little different and and probably rightly so for those Well,
2: also because in in basketball you could kind of manufacture your own stats in a sense whereas it can be like in baseball like you're going up against somebody to get a base hit you either yeah. gonna win that battle or you're gonna lose that battle. But in basketball, you know, somebody can make sure you get the assist. Somebody can make sure that you get the shot. You could kind of manufacture your own stats in a way. So like the triple double. I remember there was two games that distinctly stand out to me where I don't remember what he was short one, whatever, assist or whatever. They put him back in to make sure that he gets it. Maybe it was a rebound. I don't know. Maybe it was like one point away, so they put him back in. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you could kind of like create stats in a sense if you want. And that doesn't always mean that you're helping the team, right? If if you're an admired in a six-game losing streak, but you got triple doubles all game, right? I mean, uh, in every game, but you put somebody in there towards the end of the game to be able to continue that streak. Is it really that impressive? You see what I'm saying? So. Yeah it's a little bit of a different sport and a different scoring methodology. So evaluating it. Yeah. I think it makes sense. You, you, what you're doing better result in wins. Cause if it doesn't, maybe you're just a ball hog. Maybe you're just, you know, a selfish player. Maybe you're just, you're, you're, you're getting a lot of points, but your field goal percentage is isn't that strong or whatever the case may be. So interesting stuff though, man, I'm, I'm curious to see the the progression of Luca. Definitely,
1: he is a stud. He is a stud. He. I'm always a little trepidatious when you have the the some of the European players that come over. You just don't know. You hear a lot about them. I've seen so many of them. This guy's a great passer. He's got great range, and he's going to come over and play right away. This guy's completely different than every one of them. Every okay, one. well,
2: that, that's a great point. So. Porzingis, has he met expectations? Is he more of a star than a bust or more of a bust than a star so far, would you say?
1: I think because of his health, you'd have to say more of a bust. And that's what makes him so tantalizing is because when he's on the court, Porzingis gives you everything you want in this modern day NBA. Honestly, Porzingis is like one of maybe three or four players in the NBA that can actually do everything with his size. He's very much like like an Anthony Davis. He can defend, he can shoot the three, he's he's athletic for a big, his offensive game is excellent. His problem is just he can't stay on the freaking court. And and it's happened for the Knicks. This is why they were willing to to get rid of him. And it's happened so far again with Dallas. And and that ends up being a problem. This is something we saw with Chris Paul for a while to where he actually late in his life completely changed his eating habits, everything about his workout regimen. And he was actually able to stay on the court last time in last year for one of the first times in really big, meaningful games. You wonder if something like that is going to have to happen with Porzingis or, or sometimes some guys, just the way they're built, a seven footer like that, uh, they're not supposed to be big and athletic like that. And they, and they break down because Remember they were gonna beat the Clippers with Porzingis last year. And then he got hurt. And and it was a little too much for Luca to ask to ask on Luca for him, for them to try to carry them past the Clippers. And then we saw the Clippers lose in the next round to to Denver anyways. But this team has a ceiling with Porzingis that and with Luca that they're capable of beating anyone. Without Porzingis, though, their ceiling. Drastically drops. Like they. Well, before
2: we move off of this, I think this is a a good way to kind of inject a real quick. Who are the three or four teams in the West? Who are the three or four teams in the East that can't compete for a title? I'm thinking in the East, it's what like Brooklyn, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami.
1: And and you know what? Philly's team is a lot. Better setup this year They may not look as great on paper But they got rid of some of the weird fits They they got rid of Al uh, Horford Who didn't fit as well They brought in Danny Green and Seth Curry Both shooters So they'll be able to spread the court around Embiid and Simmons They brought in Doc Rivers Who should be a better coach than what they had last year Daryl Morey is a better GM So I think they're going to just be a little bit better overall uh, For me, I think you hit most of the The, the teams right there and Would you, know, you have about, a like,
2: Toronto maybe or wildcard like, uh, can't really win a title i guess
1: yeah i don't think i don't think from winning a title but uh washington should be a lot of fun as long as westbrook can stay healthy i think they'll be a like five to eight seeded team in the east and with westbrook every night what's great about him is when he's healthy he doesn't take nights off so he's gonna catch players a lot of time and like you know, early January somewhere Where where someone's got a back-to-back And they're ready for a night off And Westbrook just is going at you 100 miles an hour uh, So I think he maybe will set a little bit of a tone for them I, I was reading a lot about how He's setting a, a really good tone for uh, the Wizards in practice And they're just practicing at a higher level Than they've had the last few years Because of how kind of much of a How much of an ass he is in practice You know, he's, he's one of those kind of guys So they're a team I'm, I'm sort of high on I, I think they'll they could be fun. Maybe they could win a playoff series and and, and make it in. Um, then on the on the west side, honestly, I think the Clippers are going to be really good in the regular season. I think what we saw the other the other day is the Clippers should have a chip on their shoulder. They should take this part, the early part of this season, very seriously. The opposite of what they did last year. They should say, hey, you know what? We tried to load manage. We tried to act like we were a team that already had won titles, and we haven't. Like, let's just go out there and kick the crap out of everybody. Because when you look at their roster, they're still really, really good. And you know, on most nights, they're going to probably have, you know, the two best players on the court or or close to it. So I think they're going to win a lot of games early on in the season. I think Portland will be pretty good. They made a couple uh, fun trades, and uh, you know, Houston. I think they're definitely going to drop down. Like we're seeing everything with uh, with Harden. I-, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he's completely traded and not even on their team in a couple weeks.
2: Sure. Now, what about the the uh, Denver Nuggets? Is it one of those things where they can keep kind of building on on what what they've done, or was that kind of a a
1: fluky run? Or what do
2: you, what's your make on them?
1: See, what I love their top two. Uh, Jokic is excellent. Murray is really really good. What hurt them is they needed someone to guard the wings, to guard the LeBron type players, the Kawhis, the Paul Georges. They ended up letting Jeremy Grant go and he went to Detroit, he got a good contract for from for the Pistons, but they seem like they're missing a key component on their team. If you look at the teams they're going to have to get through and they're going to have to face, it's going to be the Lakers and it's going to be the Clippers, and I don't know if they've got the personnel right now to match up as well with either of those teams as they did last year. That's my concern with Denver a little bit, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to be quite as good this year as they were last year.
2: Amazing as we're talking about all these contenders and Curry comes back to the Warriors and we haven't even mentioned their name, even though I was just giving uh, subtle praise to their head coach, Kerr, when I was talking about Luke Walton with the Sacramento Kings. Um, Obviously, they're missing two key, key components. I think one of them is coming back um, and Draymond. But, uh, you know, we we actually talked about, I think, the day after he got hurt. And uh, that's Clay Thompson, of course. I guess a, a couple other quick hits before we go to the commercial. What about some of the other playoff contenders, like teams that we know will be there, like the Utah Jazz or maybe the San Antonio Spurs, who uh, looked pretty good the other night? Do uh, they have this- championship con- material built build team or are these teams just playoff fillers?
1: Uh, The Spurs, I feel like this is sort of the year where they might drop out, and we keep saying that with them every year, right? We keep saying they're not as good as they were, but they got a great staff, and they're a really well-run organization. I think this could be the year where you end up seeing um, them trade off uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, them trade off a DeMar DeRozan them trade off a Patty Mills if they're under 500 midway through the season I think that's what they'll end up doing and they'll give a little bit of run to some of their younger players and see okay, who are some of the next players that we're going to build around because they could get a little something back for a DeRozan, for a LaMarcus Aldridge and those type of players might be able to help a contending team that is getting close and maybe they have an injury and they need to get over the hump so I, I, I don't Utah is always going to be a playoff type team. I don't know with their current roster with Gobert if they'll be able to match up well enough with uh, an AD with a, a Jokic. But they, I think they had to keep Gobert to to do so. And they should. What's nice about them is. They were missing Boyanovich last year for them. He was someone that they added in the offseason to try to help give them a little more scoring. What ended up happening, he gets hurt. He misses a series that they're up three to one against Denver. Just the 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 one extra player there would have really helped them trying to get through that. So they're they're still a team to me that feels like they're in that like four or five, six range.
2: Well, the cool thing about the NBA is, and we're gonna get to commercial here, even the teams we didn't mention as contenders, at least in the Western conference, you know, you've got stars that make you want to tune in, like oh, Zion, yeah. uh, like Steph Curry, uh, etc. Uh, uh, Luca with, with the Mavericks, uh, a Phoenix Suns team that could put up a lot of points. So even the non-playoff contenders or the ones that are an outside looking in, or I should say non-championship contenders, because Dallas is a playoff contender, of course. Who knows, maybe even the Warriors can sneak in there as well because of the talent and the coaching staff, etc. But they have, my point is, they've, I think the NBA is a, a lot more compelling this year than any time in recent memory in my mind. So looking forward to some NBA action. Gino, let's take our final commercial break. We'll talk a little NFL, fantasy football, week 16, playoff push. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
0: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: back here on the Mike Abadir show closing segment here for us uh, happy holidays merry christmas eve to everyone out there listening hopefully you and yours are uh, having a nice night with the uh, christmas coming up this weekend and Mike uh, you mentioned it briefly but not only do we have the five game NBA slate this year We've got an NFL game, and we've got a rematch of a playoff game from last year. This week, we've got a Friday NFL game. We've got three Saturday NFL games. We've got the final Monday night football game, and then the uh, the rest of the slate on Sunday. So a really huge week. And I think just what the NFL wanted when they added the additional playoff spots to keep the last couple weeks of the season Really important, and have almost everybody still playing in really meaningful games. Yeah, typically you're
2: going to have a bowl game, so the NFL is not going to go up against them um, on 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 a, on a Friday. Saturdays they've been playing late season Saturdays forever. Friday you typically don't see it, and that's the reason is because of the the college bowl games on the day after Christmas. But this year, you know, the college bowl game schedule is a little bit funky there's a lot of bowl games that have been canceled outright and uh one other great thing you know you kind of went through that litany of great sporting events going on from the nba five games coming up tomorrow all the way through the nfl sunday monday night you also mentioned during the commercial break how fantastic the santa anita card is on saturday for opening day this is like a mini breeders cup card i mean Fantastic card. We got a little bit of rain here in LA. You'd mentioned that up in your neck of the woods, and you do live a lot closer to Santa Anita than I do. You're almost a, a neighbor. Uh, hopefully it doesn't come off of that turf course. Beautiful new turf course. What What do you know about it? What is your insight on that turf course?
1: I don't think it'll be enough to where they have to take anything off the grass, but the what's nice about that new turf course is it's versatile. It gives them the option to run all the different distances that they want. They don't have to feel confined to just a five or a five-and-a-half. They can really run any type So they're,
2: they're doing a six-and-a-half, but it's yeah, not they the downhill
1: shoot. course, right? Yeah, it's got a little bit of a chute coming around, so they're going to have a six-and-a-half race on opening day card, and there are just some fantastic— Races. I mean, a couple of races where you have ten, eleven horses, fields with a seven to two morning line favorite. One race where you have a field of eleven and ten of the horses are between seven to two and twelve to one on the morning line in. The Malibu, it's one of the Shorter fields, but you're going to get Nashville Who's the undefeated, really nice Sprinter for Steve Asmussen, he comes Out and he's going to be facing Charlatan The Bob Baffert runner, who crossed The wire all three times first, but remember He was actually DQ'd yep. After the race for one of him Winning the Arkansas Derby for testing positive So you have two horses who have never actually Been defeated in a race They're both really, really fast They're going to be going head up against each other So, You've got some big named horses And some massive fields Mike I will be the first one to admit When Santa Anita is struggling When any track has a card That's not really worth betting I'll tell you This one is awesome This is worth your time To to spend a couple hours on And sink your teeth into Because you're going to find Win or lose You're going to find a few races Where you like some 10 to 1 shots Which you, you generally can't find In this day and age in, in you know the west coast And in southern California racing That's exactly
2: right, Gino. In fact, I was even going to clarify what I mean when I say Breeders' Cup-like card. Not talking about necessarily where you have like a bunch of international horses and you've got jockeys coming in from the UK, you know, Ireland, so on and so forth. More so in that it's a stacked card, top to bottom. You got very competitive fields, and most importantly for a horse player, I think you could find a lot of value in there if you're if you're a value type player. This is a great opportunity to be able to pluck some value, maybe even on the favorites. You know, like you mentioned, you may get seven to two on a favorite on a day like this because some of these fields are really competitive and fairly wide open. So I'm looking forward to it. I know you're going to be obviously handicapping that card. On That's what G said. So uh, for any horse players who want to get a little bit more
1: insight onto that race card top to bottom, you know what to do our buddy Andrew Champagne joined me and we uh, we talked about all the stakes races so we went through races uh, they have graded stakes races in the 4th, 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th all graded stakes races i like the one they
2: have a, one in the first 5
1: and then the 11th the closing race is a massive field that's not a graded stakes race but it could be you literally have a bunch of horses that were competitive against Graded Stakes Company, and it's a $75,000 stakes race that's just as good from a quality and a quantity standpoint, too. So, I mean, I haven't been this excited about a Santa Anita card that I handicapped in a long, long time. It just – there were so many times where, okay, it's a big day. There's three Graded Stakes races, but we got fields of five, six, five, and we've got two horses that are three to five on the morning line. So – how excited am I supposed to get as a better? You know, that is not the case this week at all. So uh, make sure to dust off those uh, Santa Anita past performances. If you haven't used them for a while, I understand. If you haven't uh, checked in on them, but check in on us this weekend out here on the West Coast because we got uh, we got something good brewing. No doubt about that.
2: So moving on to the NFL real quick here as we uh, look to wrap up the show in the next 10 minutes or so. Not a lot of great matchups this weekend, Gino. I think some of the there's probably three that I would say are are good matchups, that being the Colts and the Steelers, the uh, Rams and the Seahawks.
1: Dolphins, Raiders is kind of fun.
2: And then the Titans and the Packers. I was just going to say that I'm like, those are the three where you have like, you know, really good win loss records, playoff teams, etc. The Raiders have kind of unfortunately been done in. And I think COVID has uh, played a role in that for that ball club, not making excuses, but it definitely didn't help. But I think that game on Saturday night is going to be an exciting game. I think there's going to be a lot of points, even though the Dolphins have a very good defense. um, And even though the Raiders have their backup quarterback in the game, that's actually going to be one of my plays. It's interesting because I'm a little bit surprised that the line is minus three, um,
1: but I love the Raiders. Do you love the Raiders? Okay. I like him okay. a lot.
2: Well, I th- because- See, I think the Dolphins are going to lay the wood to them with that defense. I think the Raiders' defense is just – it's not stopping anybody, man.
1: They, they've they been brutal. And how about this, too? this If they don't make the playoffs, they would have to win their last two, and a lot of crazy things would have to happen for them to make the playoffs. Yep. So let's, let's just say they won't. This would be the ninth straight year for Gruden as a head coach to not have won a playoff game. So his last nine seasons as a head coach, he hasn't won a playoff game. That's a pretty crazy stat for a guy who's making a a lot of money now, and it's not just his first year there. He's not doing a terrible job because every year they sort of finish where where they should. It's just the last couple of years, the way they finished, right? That, that, That they've had such great starts and that they end up laying eggs to these teams that they're better than. I mean, there's no reason why this team lost to that Falcons team and showed up and had that Type of performance against them, and then turned around and should have lost to the Jets team right afterwards again. It's almost like that. It's hard not to quantify it to a horse race, where it's like you run a big race against a really good opponent, and it and it zaps you, or like a fight in a, in a in a, bo- a boxer where you 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 face this boxer. It's like what happened when they faced Kansas City that night, when it looked like they were going to win. It's like it sucked all the life out of them, and they they've had nothing. And all that being said. I'm still going to play them this week because I think you're getting them at such a low, like the lowest value that they've been all year long. If you played this game one week ago, you actually would have been looking at playing the Raiders minus two to the Raiders minus three. And instead it's going to be the Raiders plus three at home. because Everybody's just sort of assuming they've given up. I still think they're, they're good enough and feisty enough to move the ball and I don't know. Uh, two is getting better. I still don't trust him that much. I think the Raiders have a shot here to win this game and to try to spoil some stuff for uh, for the Dolphins.
2: Well, you know, surprisingly enough, outside of the Jets being zero seven at home, and outside of the Lions being one and five at home, which is a little bit surprising for a dome team, the Raiders have the worst road record, uh, home record in the uh, in the NFL.
1: I know, it's cr- It's you know? crazy.
2: So, I mean. Uh, the home has not been a home field advantage for those guys, unfortunately.
1: And I have think, they made uh, a decision yet this week for sure? They, have they said Carr or Mariota?
2: It is going to be Mariota. And, um, yeah, if I, if so I, I have I, 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 a I, I miracle chance Carr is in there on, on, on Saturday, I don't know if it would make a difference for me in terms of liking Miami minus three. I, like I said, I just think their defense is – uh, first of all, I think their defense is for real. This, this, it's, this is not through week three or week five. We are now almost entirely through the season, and their defense has just gotten better and better. So I think that they're going to outscore the Raiders, and if they outscore the Raiders, they're probably going to do so by more than three points. Really quickly, though, Gino, I usually don't talk or we don't usually talk about our own fantasy teams it's kind of like one of those things like nobody wants to hear about you know anybody else's fantasy team outside of their own. But there were a couple of interesting scenarios this past weekend, and I hopped onto Twitter and I saw that there were a lot of people, a lot of people talking about them, and I I just happened to be involved in two of them. One where I'm on the I'm, wrong
1: end of one and on yeah, the right end of one. I, it where, where, was interesting. I shouldn't I have won
2: one that I did, and I should have won one that I didn't, and I just want to read you a quick comment because. You would text me right after the game, and what we're talking about is I was only down by a few points and have a running back, starting running back, who's been on a hot streak, rushing for 100 yards last couple of games, 16 points, 15 points, et cetera. The New York Giants late game against the Browns. We're talking about Gallman. So all I need him to do is get me, what was it, 4.8 points, 5.2, something like that. So when you text me after the game and you're like, you probably hate this guy, I'm like, yeah, but not just that, the coaching staff. So when you look at on ESPN's feed, at least when you look up the players, they have commentary. You know, they'll have like something they call it, like the the spin analysis, and then the uh, outlook. And for those who didn't watch or weren't paying attention to Gallman per se, I was like, why didn't they use him in the second half? And sure enough, I've never seen a critical spin on a coaching staff in one of these things, and I, I saved it just to read it really quickly. It says here. Gallman had been the Giants' workhorse with double-digit carries over the last seven weeks, but the team inexplicably moved away from him in the second half in favor of veterans Alfred Morris. There are no, currently no reports of starting tailback suffering any sort of injury, so the decision is a curious one when you consider the alternative or the lack thereof. Absolutely strange. It was like they had their own fantasy teams or something. It just didn't make any sense at all. The other scenario that was kind of strange was a a player, unfortunately, getting hurt. And anybody that texts me after the game, I told them the same thing, not the way that I wanted to win. We're talking about Ebron with the Steelers on on, uh, Monday Night Football. So uh, some hard luck there, I guess, to transition into real NFL, Gino. Pittsburgh's lost three in a row. Are they one of your plays this upcoming weekend?
1: No, I think they're going to lose five in a row. I'm not going to play them because they're actually a two-point underdog at home against the Colts. A week, same Sort of like the Raiders. A week ago, You would have been it would have been Pittsburgh minus three. They're bad. I just can't back them right now. I'll give you a couple others that I will back, though. Uh, the Rams uh, in the game against Seattle. The Rams have matched up really well. They're five and one in their last six against Seattle. The only game they lost was when Zyreline missed a game-winning field goal. I uh, mentioned the Raiders plus three. I'm going to go over in the Texans-Bengals game. Anything that's that's forty seven, I'll go. Like if you see forty seven, forty six, I'm fine with going over there. I just think both teams are going to score. The Texans are going to go up and down on that Bengals defense there, and anybody can score on the Texans. And uh, if you can get seven and a half, I take a little swing on the Vikings there to try to keep that game close. I think the Saints will still cover, but the Vikes could keep it close.
2: Good stuff there. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, go with two plays: Seahawks to win at home. And the Dolphins minus three in Las Vegas. Gino, that's all the time we have, man. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, to you, merry Christmas, the baby, your family, everybody. Merry Christmas all right, to all our you, listeners. Buddy. And we will be on New Year's Eve. We will have a show, so tune in to us next week. Everybody, have a very safe and blessed holiday. We'll see. Enjoy your sports weekend. Obviously, it's a packed one, like we said. We'll see you same time, same place next week.